number one thing we should start with is the idea of row play starter and the correct necessary micronutrients. Global shortages are causing farm input costs to skyrocket. A better way to farm shows you how to take control of inputs and maximize profits so you can farm the way you want. Now, from America's heartland, here's your host. Why should we not grid sample? Rod here at A Better Way to Farm, where we help growers improve yields and increase profits. Got some things I'd like you to think about today. We really appreciate you tuning in and listening to today's episode. And to our faithful listeners, thank you very much. If you find value in what we do, we'd appreciate it if you'd give us a rating. And if you'd share this with someone else, that'd be really cool, too. So let's talk about grid sampling. I just talked to another guy today who had never done it before, and he's getting ready to start grid sampling 11,000 acres. And he doesn't seem to have a pH problem at all. So let's talk about where I am in favor of grid sampling, and that is for calcium management. I believe strongly that when we need to go out here, we need to run the bare bones test, checking pH and calcium levels, and take a look at what we have and therefore make our decisions on how much lime to apply or how much gypsum to apply based on those numbers that come back. So that's the place where I'm in favor of it. Now, I know that talking about not grid sampling runs counter to the industry, and I understand that. But let me give you some things just to think about. Just consider these as you're making your decisions. First of all, my first question in regards to grid sampling is, what is the magic line that's at two and a half acres? Or what is the magic line that's at the one acre mark? And I don't know if you're doing one acre grids or two and a half acre grids or five acre grids, whatever it is, where's that magic line? Why is it that this one is the spot right here to check and that next one over there is the next spot to check? What if instead of being every two and a half acres, what if the line happens to just be at one and a half? And so consequently, is it better than doing nothing? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But, you know, here's what I do know, guys. I have some clients, some really good friends of mine who we've had the honor of working with for three growing seasons. I've learned a lot from watching them. And it's been really cool because unbeknownst to me, I didn't ask for it. They just started sending me yield maps of two fields. And they showed me their fields from 19. And they showed me those same two fields in 20. And they showed them again in 21. And now I'm hoping that they share those for 22. I'm very anxious to see them and to see the progression that has come about. And it has come about because they quit grid sampling. In 2019, when they were grid sampling, they had decent yields, nothing to be ashamed of. But in 2020, they didn't do that. We went a different route. And instead of doing the every two and a half acre grids or whatever it was, we went out and we did 20 or 40 acre blocks, depending upon A, what direction they were going to plant it, and B, you know, how much variability was there? Now, they had a couple of spots right in the middle of the field that were really, really terrible that they'd been fighting for years. And it was amazing because we did test those really bad spots completely separate. And what did we figure out? Even though they'd been grid sampling for years, no one had bothered to tell them that a pH of 5.8 really does hurt your crop. And so we put calcium on exactly in that bad spot, and got monstrous results just for doing the right thing. But on the rest of the field, what we did was we did 40, 20, 40, or 80 acres, depending on the variability, and they did it the way they were going to plant so that we can go out there and give every plant equal opportunity nutrition. What do I mean? We believe that foundationally, the number one thing we should start with is the idea of row place starter 
and the correct necessary micronutrients. I'm not talking about a micro pack 2000 or trio or quad or whatever it is where they say, oh, we've got everything you need in this jug. That makes me very uncomfortable. You know, guys, as we're, we're looking at this, if we grid sample and then we go with a shotgun approach, it's kind of like calling the doctor and saying, hey, doc, I have these symptoms. And before you say what they are, doc just says, well, you need a Z pack and some penicillin. Well, that's all fine, except I have a tightness in my chest and I'm really having a heart attack. So a Z pack and penicillin aren't the answer. Guys, we have to do the analytical work. We have to do our homework. We have to get the good information and we cannot use a shotgun approach. You know, so often I see these samples come in and it's the same thing, 150 pounds of 1846-0 or 1152-0, and we need 200 pounds of potash. Even though we gridded, that's in essence what we're doing. That's kind of mind-blowing to me. You know, I look at these people. I'm actually sitting at Karen's right now doing this podcast, recording it, and there's a field right across the road from me. And a few years ago, I really, it's been about three, maybe four years, it was really driven home to me what one of my biggest problems with grid sampling and variable rate is, and it's this. I'm driving up. It's a mile section, and they were out doing their variable rate, as I know they do, and as I drive by, I'm thinking, that guy's going almost as fast as I am, and I was running about 50 on a gravel road, and so I waited for him to get to the other end, and I turned around, and I followed him with my digital speedometer. He was variable rate spreading at 38 miles per hour. I really got a question. Do you think we have a slide gate and a computer system and a gate that mechanically can go from zero to 300 pounds, because that's typically the range of the spread, that we can go from zero to 300 pounds every two and a half acre grid at 38 miles an hour? Now, the added bonus was he was spreading north and south, and we had about a 30-mile-an-hour wind that day just because that was where the variable rate came in. I'm sure it was very variable. What I don't think it was was predictable. And see, variable rate is, I guess, one thing, but predictable rate is super important. And that's what we've got to have if we're going to do that. And so I just have some questions about that. I have a question for you. I want you all just to please consider this and think about it. If the idea of grid sampling and variable rate worked, as they say it works, why would you ever need to grid sample and then variable rate spread more than twice? The premise is that we do the grids, we go out and we fix it, and we get it all even. But the fact of the matter is, how many people do you know have been grid sampling for 10 years or 15 years? They've been variable rate spreading for 10 years or 15 years. By definition, if this was working, wouldn't we arrive at a point where we could stop and just do a uniform spread on everything. But the fact of the matter is, that's not how it works. There are so many things that come into play there, like CEC and organic matter and soil chemistry, microbiology, all of these things that play a difference into this and make a big difference in what's happening. And so we're not taking all of those into account. And the fact is, guys, we still believe strongly that the most bang for your buck is to give every plant equal opportunity nutrition. And when we do that, we have the best results. If you're interested in what we're talking about here when I finish, you can give me a call or send me a text at 641-919-1206. And if you would like, if you'd reach out to us, you can email me at rod at a better way to farm, or you can send me a text. 
I'd be happy to give you a copy of these yield maps showing you 19, 20, and 21, the progression of which my friends have had by doing this. And the fact of the matter is, I think you're going to find it very interesting. So, you know, we realize that not everyone's going to agree about anything. It's interesting. I get on TikTok in particular, and I see guys absolutely hating each other over should you make hay, should you not make hay, should you drive broadcast, should you not drive broadcast, should you use starter, should you not use starter, you know, red tractors, green tractors. And all of that, to a large degree, is personal preference. And I'm not here trying to tell you that you have to do anything. What I am here doing is I'm asking you to respectfully consider is there an alternative that would make you more money? You know, one of the most dangerous phrases in the world is we've always done it that way. And I look at how many times people get convinced of something that just really shouldn't have, but they get told the same thing over and over and over, and they cannot see it any other way. You know, the industry tells us again and again and again, we have to grid sample and we have to variable rate. You guys know that I believe strongly that everything that happens in agriculture is good for someone. But the question is who? Guys, if you're super happy with what you're doing, that's awesome. Do it. But if you're looking for a better way, if you're saying, hey, maybe there's an alternative out here, maybe I should explore some options, then perhaps you should consider giving this a try. You know, the people that I respect most in agriculture are the ones who are continually trying something new, not on every acre. That's not what I'm talking about. But they're trying something new on a field every year. And will it always work? Absolutely not. Sometimes it'll be a bad failure. I've got one cornfield where I tried a new hybrid. And I've got one hybrid that's making well over 200 bushels of the acre. And the other one didn't set an ear. It was absolutely the wrong hybrid for our field. And so, you know, that was a very expensive lesson for me. But I did try, and I was trying to figure out what to do. And I think that all of us owe it to ourselves to say, you know, on 10 acres, if it's a complete failure, at least I'll know. I give everybody this example. It's a great deal like going back to college. All of the mistakes that I've made are really just learning opportunities. And I take and I look at every learning opportunity as I get another master's degree. I do have about 43 master's degrees now that I've paid for. Unfortunately, I didn't get a diploma, but I know 43 things that I'm never going to do that way again. And I think that's really the only way that we can learn on our farms. Now, I'm going to suggest there are some things we can do if we check in with some people who we respect and we trust and they tried something and it failed miserably, then maybe we don't need to prove it as a failure. However, we've got to make sure that these people that we're taking our advice from are people who actually tried it. I look at my good friend Jim in downstate Illinois who pulled off of the grid sampling and this year went to doing a field-by-field -field basis. And I look at the tremendous results that he got and the excitement that he has around what's happening in his field as compared to his neighbors. And it makes everything seem really worthwhile. And he'd had a whole bunch of people down there and people that he did respect. And they said, starter won't work here. You have to do it this way. You have to grid. You have to variable rate. And guys, the fact of the matter is, he took its chance and dove out on faith, and he figured out that there is a better way, and he grabbed a hold of it. So, guys, I am very much in favor of getting that pH where we want it. You know, I see people every day with soil tests, their pH is 5.2 or 5.8. Once in a while, I get a 4.8. 
you know, and these guys are really suffering from bad yields. I just look at it and they say, what can you sell me? It's like nothing. There is nothing that I can do until you fix this. Oh, I can do things and they'll make a little bit of a difference, but nothing offsets a pH that's wrong. Some of you guys are farming some tough dirt that's got a pH above seven. And so are you ever going to get that down? Probably not. Are there things you can do to farm around it? There absolutely are. Again, might be taking a look at where we put the ammonium sulfate or where we put the gypsum in those high pH deals, and that's a good reason to grid. But there's no reason to test, do an expensive test, getting micronutrients and all those kinds of things when all we're after is the calcium. So, guys, we appreciate you tuning in. And if you'd like to explore this further, we would love to have a conversation with you. We really would appreciate that opportunity. We look forward to talking to you soon. Hey, by the way, if you're interested, there are about 800 videos over on the Facebook page called A Better Way to Farm. There's a lot of TikToks out there to take a look at if you go to A Better Way to Farm. And you can always swing by the website at abetterwaytofarm.com and take the profit calculator to say, hey, we've got five things here that we've isolated to help you. And maybe one of these would be something that would make a difference in your operation. So we do appreciate you tuning in. We hope you give us a follow on some of the other platforms of social media. Again, if you could give us a rating, we'd be grateful for that. And we will look forward to talking to you in the next episode. And we're going to have a guest speaker on that you are absolutely going to love. With that being said, just want to say I hope you're having a better day. A better way to farm.com. You're listening on the Verbal Crowd Network. Find more great shows at verbalcrowd.com.